people see the glitz and glam. We travel, we this, we meet these people, but, but they have very real needs that can really frustrate you. You know, I used to have here. What I would tell them is make sure you love it. Make sure you have a lot of time to prepare and to devote to it. Otherwise, don't, don't do it because every day is not going to be easy. Some days are going to be difficult, but the reward when you see those guests smile and when you see those guests say, well, Ken, man, I needed this. I can never go back to a hotel or you've made my stay so fabulous. It makes it so worthwhile. Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real-Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have Kenroy Herbert, entrepreneur and chairperson at the Anguilla Tourist Board, joining us today. Kenroy, thanks for joining us. Steve, it's such a pleasure to be here, but I'm looking forward to this podcast. Uh, well, I know a lot of people and the listeners are excited to hear your journey because it's a unique one. But let's get started like we always do, Kenroy. What was your first job in hospitality? Well, just before I get to my first job, my background is chemistry, believe it or not. Chemistry? Yeah, I worked in a lab producing rum, a oh. famous private rum. But I always wanted to get into hospitality. So I quit my job as production manager from Angola Rums. And I actually applied to be a caddy. And people thought I was nuts leaving <laughs> a managerial position. Right. Go and carry bags for folks playing golf. But I saw that as a way into the door, into hospitality. And, you know, I would tell them, hey, give me six months. You know, I won't just be a caddy. And in six months, I kid you not, I was the assistant caddy manager. And I worked there in that position until the golf course closed during the market crash uh, in 2008. When that happened, there was a gentleman who would usually play golf. And um, I saw his company put an ad in the paper for Villa Manager. I called and I said, hey, my name is Kenroy Hubbard. And um, he said, oh, yes, yes. You know, you work on the golf course. And I said, well, used to. And I said, I saw the ad in the paper. I said, look, I am the least likely candidate. I have no experience in hospitality. I do know I love to interact and deal with people. I said, even if I'm not 
successful in this bid, I still want to come and work for you guys for free because I want to learn the business. Uh, fast forward, I got the job and I was thrown into the deep end because when I was hired, they went away on a trip. So I learned on the fly and the rest is kind of history. It's been my journey since, but that was my first job. A caddy and then an, and then a villa manager. So I want to go back to a caddy because like you said, it's a big jump to go from a stable job, right? Being a production manager, making world famous rum to then telling your family and friends, I'm going to go work on a golf course and carry people's bags. What was that conversation like with your family and friends? Everybody thought it was nuts. Everybody yeah. thought maybe I drank too much rum at the factory. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, everybody thought it was nuts. But I said, you know, listen, I have a vision. I have a plan. And this is part of the plan. I saw a way to get into hospitality. Every day was different on the golf course. I mean, we get to play golf for free. We got to interact with so many interesting people, famous people, mm -hmm. types. But it was a good training ground for, you know, what was to come. And uh, I knew, because I love golf, and I knew that in Angola, there are not much folks who knew about golf, because it was the first golf course, etc. And because of my travels, and I played golf before, especially over on St. Martin, mm -hmm. I knew I had the edge. You know, as we say, in the Valley of the Blind, the one-eye man is king. Well, right. I was one-eye man. So I had an advantage. And eventually, you know, I was bumped up to assistant caddy manager. And... I got to go out with, you know, the the real the celebrities, the, the the real good players, et cetera. So I got to interact with those and the, the editor cigar aficionado at the time, who brought two really strong cigars for me. Man, yeah, those were strong. Anyway, um, you know, I smoked one while we were playing golf, and I kid you not, the sky. And the golf balls started to talk to me. That's how strong they were. Sounds like there was something else in that cigar. No, they were just <laughs> really strong, man. But hand rolled, and he said the person who did it used to roll uh, cigars for Fidel Castro as well. And, and apparently, they smoked really strong cigars back in Cuba. And um, yeah, so they were strong. We have tons of stories like that from the golf course. It's always fun yeah. the golf course. Yeah. But now that you get into the villas, I'm curious about that because that's truly like the first. True hospitality job is yeah. getting into the villas, and what was that experience like? Because you probably never run, no, never like did. That, so. and, and, what and what was the, that experience like? It was enlightening. It was eye opening, but I loved it. You know, at the time uh, I was single, mm -hmm. and so I worked a lot of hours. I uh, wasn't married as yet, but every day was a different day. You know, you had some days where a guest would ask you for a pink elephant for his son's birthday party. And there were other times where, you know, they were asking for some real crazy stuff that, you know, you had to pull out of the blue. So every day was a different day. Uh, you also had to deal with staff, you know, maintenance issues, uh, you know, airline flights being delayed, bad weather, and um, frustrated guests, and also very happy guests. So no two days were alike. It was always exciting. And I was baptized by fire because when I came on to work, it was almost the high season and close to Christmas. And the Christmas guests, which we call the festive guests, are always very demanding, but you mm -hmm. learn so much from them. You know, I, I would take those guests any day over 
the nice and calm guests because those are the ones that make you grow. Those are the That's ones true. that make you stretch. And you know, so so set the scene for me because you know a lot of listeners have not been to Anguilla. I hope to now since I've met you get a VIP trip over there. <laughs> but set the okay, scene for me. Right what is it like running a villa there? Set the scene. Is it looking at the ocean? Are you on a mountain? What is the vibe like on? So Anguilla is a small island in the eastern Caribbean. Right, it's the most northern island. It's, if you're on a thirty-five square miles, sixteen miles long, three and a half miles wide at the widest point. So. Very small island, population currently of about 15,000 people, right? So everybody basically knows everybody. However, we are surrounded by blue skies, white sand, and turquoise water. And um, what you see in the movies, horseback riding on the beach, people sitting down sipping coconuts, that's Angola. Angola is also known for having some of the friendliest people anywhere in the world and um, some of the best food. It's beautiful. Everything I've seen that I've been since researching what you do, it looks beautiful. And, you know, this villa that you were working at, how long were you there? You started in 2008, it looks well, like, right? The company I worked for managed several properties. It, it wasn't just one. When I came on board, we had three. By the time I left to start uh, Leviticus, we had 21. Um, so we, we grew very much. And uh, most of that growth was was pretty much left up to me. Um, my boss at the time, Robin and Sue Ricketts, who are pioneers in you know Angola tourism, Caribbean tourism, they co-developed Malihana Hotel and Cabjuluga Hotel. So I had a wealth of experience coming from them. So there were many different villas, some were three bedroom, four bedroom, five bedroom. We even had a, I think a nine bedroom villa. Mm -hmm. And villas are like mini hotels. You know, because there's their staff, some are full service, chef, butler, pullman, gardener, you know, they're, they're little um, hotels, you know, as I mentioned. So every, everyone is different. Everyone has the unique challenges and everyone has the unique perks. Yeah. So a lot of our listeners, like I actually own a vacation rental company and we manage oh. the home, so we don't own them. How was it there? Did you own those properties or was it owners that had those and you managed it or did your company build and, and own the properties? So, no, so all the properties owned by, by other folks, and we just manage. And we, we, did, we did full service, uh, from paying the bills, renovations, sometimes even construction, and um, we did everything. So it we, we were a turnkey um, organization, so to speak. So you come, you hand us the keys, and we do everything for you. So you grew with them, right? It looks like you grew with them up through 2016. So you are with them for a while growing this company. Yes, so we were with them for a while, and I think nine years, almost 10 years. Learned a lot, but it was time to move on. You know, um, I had a different vision because I had a lot of clients who, when they come to Angola, they were our clients. But these clients would travel all over the world, and they would still message me or call me to ask me to book dinner reservations in Italy or whatever. And a light bulb sort of went on, like, why are we losing their business when they go to another country? Anyway, our visions didn't align. So I founded One World Concierge Services while I was still um, at my other job. And I told mm -hmm. them about it. And when I, when I left, I rebranded to Leviticus Lifestyle and Travel. One World Concierge Services, I didn't like it, it was kind of rushed. Mm -hmm. 
because you know it was different you know you don't hear much businesses with that name and um, it's always a conversation piece as to why i chose that name etc so uh, and also it was a, one of the few dot-com names that was available <laughs> <laughs> well that's good so is that the reason you chose it or let's ask that question why did you choose that name for that so i chose it because it means he who serves and it also i heard it on the show there was a club called leviticus so hearing the name you know, on a television show, it, it rolled out the tongue pretty well. It was always a conversation piece. And I said, huh, that can definitely work. It's different. There's nobody with that name. And when I went on GoDaddy, I realized, hey, it's also available. So, yeah. That's amazing. So when you built it, like, like you said, Anguilla is a very small island, right? Yes. And so now you're building a competing brand. How did that go with uh, the people you were working with? Well, that came, well, you know, that was tough. That was that was a, a very dark period because it was almost like going through a divorce. You know, mm-hmm. I was like their son, and then all of a sudden I'm branching off. And then when they moved, almost all of their business moved with me. So it was it was tough for them as well. But you know, I, I had to move on. The vision was different. You know, I'm glad to say now we are we are really great now again, and um, we speak very well now again. But that period there was was tough. It was tough about a, one or two years because I was just focused on what I was doing, and naturally they felt very hot by it. But our visions didn't align, so I had to leave. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So now you have Leviticus. What is the vision? What was your vision that was different? What made you think like I need to do this myself? Uh, global, because I was the one that, that did all the work um, with the guests, etc. But also. The Iceland cake was my clients. Mm-hmm. They would still reach out to me when they travel other places. And I was like, you know, I need to do this. And I need not to focus only on Angola. With the advent of the internet, the world became a very small place. And it was crazy to leave all of that money on the table, you know, and to be able to help your clients who go to Sambach, who go to Turks, who go to wherever. Even though Angola is the home base, we, we do vacations anywhere in the Caribbean. That's great. So if I am a, a guest of yours, what are the places that I can go? What is the is it the whole world, anywhere in the world, or do you have certain places that I, I get to go? Anywhere to? in the world, but I'm an Angola specialist and a Thambar specialist. But I can book you anywhere in the world. We have affiliates and partners all over the world. We have booked clients all over the world. With a stroke of a keyboard, you can pick up and make a dinner reservation in Italy. With open table, you can make a dinner reservation in Paris. Mm-hmm. You know, at your favorite restaurant. The, the, the internet has made life a lot easier for the travel advisor. You see, our clients, they have every single thing except time. And we give them the gift of time. Their schedules are so busy, you know, they don't have the time to make dinner reservations, pick up your kids from school, to plan a birthday party, or mitzvah, wedding, even a slight picnic on a beach because he wants to propose to his fiance, etc. You know, we give them all of those gifts. And we get paid for them. And so there's a lot of listeners that want to jump into something like this. How would you tell them to start with all the experience you've gained? What would you tell them to look at when they get into this kind of industry? What I would tell them is if you don't love it, don't come in because it's a lot of long hours. You get to meet a uh, picture this. Yo, you wake up at 2 a.m. to catch a red eye from California to maybe Miami and then fly to Angola. Your bags didn't make the connecting flight. You know, your kid is crying. He's irritated because he travels so long. You come to Angola, you're pissed off with the person who greets you at the airport, who didn't have anything to do with your bad day. Now, mm-hmm. you as the leader, 
you have to realize this person was traveling all day. And don't take it personal if they're angry or whatever. But your job is to smooth things over. You know, so if you don't like it, people see the glitz and glam. We travel, we this, we meet these people. But, but they have very real needs that can really frustrate you. You know, I used to have here. What I would tell them is make sure you love it. Make sure you have a lot of time to prepare and to devote to it. Otherwise, don't don't do it because every day is not going to be easy. Some days are going to be difficult, but the reward when you see those guests smile and when you see those guests say, "Well, Ken, man, I needed this. I can never go back to a hotel. Or you've made my stay so fabulous." And then you see families, you know, with kids grow up. You watch them from the time they were babies and they grow up. It makes it so worthwhile. You see, what I love to do is see. Angola through their eyes for the first time every time they come. We've had guests who ran straight, jump into the pool, close on. They just just what happened here, you know, because they live in the city. You know, they have some of them haven't even seen the ocean ever, and some of them haven't even seen blue skies. So it's it's we take what we where we live for granted, and every single time I see it through their eyes, I relive it, and it makes me realize how special of a place uh, we call home is. I'd love to hear that. You're, you're getting me more and more excited to plan my trip. So as you're building your company, right, you're now building, you're building, you started in 2016, you're six years in. How do you go about properties you add to your portfolio? What do you look for? How do you kind of make sure that you're living up to your brand? Well, you know, we, we've never really gone out and selected properties. Everybody came to us, but we were very selective. We deal more with the high-end type properties because that's all I know. There are some properties that don't have full service. And to be honest with you, I would be lost because we meet and greet all of our guests upon the port of arrival. We escort them to the villa. We go to their orientation. We show them how things work, etc. Introduce them to the staff. Um, go to all their concierge requirements if they have if we haven't done that before. You know, we hold their hands. But there's some properties that don't do that. And and I would be like, I would have an, an anxiety attack. I would be wondering, did they arrive well? Did they find the key for the villa? Did they even know where the villa is, etc.? There's some properties that operate like that, and, and, and I would go nuts, you know? Because yeah. um, what I do is I put myself in their shoes, and, and when, when I travel, I know things I hate and the things that I love. And that's really what we fashion our business, you know, like. So I only know how to do high-end. I love that. because I came from that background of hotels that are high-end. And so you see a lot of companies now it's doing exactly what you say. Technology is, they say, is the tool, but you don't ever meet anybody. Everything's via text, you know, yeah. automatic doors. So it sounds like you have that belief and still love the high-touch hospitality. Oh, right? yeah. And, and, and we also, I also have another company called Olympus Chauffeur Services. So mm -hmm. we are the biggest and, uh, of course, the best chauffeur services on the island. I saw a gap in the market. Uh, when I traveled, I always use a car service for arrival, departures, if I'm going out for dinner, anything important. And I realized we didn't have that here. So I implemented it now naturally. I'm in the Caribbean, it's 80 degrees, and you know, folks wear suits, right? So far as we wear suits, that's our uniform. So mm -hmm. people thought we were nuts, you know, big <laughs> escalates, suits, etc. And um, but now all of those folks who were thought we were nuts you know they're following us they're doing the same thing and um 
which is good because that means you no know, more and more people will get better service. You know, and wrong transportation is important. You know, you're trusting your family in the hands of this driver, etc. But our vehicles, standard Wi-Fi, branded bottle water, um, reading material, read newspapers, magazines. We have first aid kits. Our all our drivers are CPR certified, and um, you know we have the newest fleet, and we have contracts with some of the best hotels here. So it's uh, it's 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 another thing that uh, I think we did well. Oh, it sounds like you're controlling the whole experience. So as soon as I land, I'm in one of your cars. I go to one of your villas. So now I'm curious. I'm in your villas, but I want to experience my island and have a lot of fun. Do you control that too? Do you have other brands that you're creating to create those things? Or do you depend uh, no. on local vendors? We, we depend on local vendors. We have partnerships with a lot of the local vendors here. And, um, you know, for excursions, things like scuba diving, water sports, uh, culinary experiences, you know, those type of things. We have a wellness package, and this wellness package, whenever folks sign up for the wellness package, we tell them, listen, it's intense. You have to give up your technology for an entire week. No cell phones, no iPads, no internet. So can you do that? And they say yes. I'm already already itching. I'm already itching right now. Yeah, so the the first two days, you're like dealing with drug addicts who's going through withdrawal. Listen. They're mean, they're going nuts, they're, 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 they're cussing, they want their phones back, etc. On day seven, they don't want their phones back. They don't even want to go back to where they come from. Because technology detox, there's no email, so there's no anxiety. You, you're not connected all the time. You actually notice that the, the water is blue. You actually notice, hey, my daughter just grew six inches, you know? You cook with a chef, you go fishing, you catch your own fish, you cook with a chef. The chef shows you some nice recipes. There's yoga, massages, you know, there's there's a lot of wellness activities on the beach. You're so relaxed when you're finished. You're like a whole new person. They don't want to go back when that's finished. They don't want to go back. Every single time they tell me, Ken, oh man, we needed this. We don't want to go back. We don't want to go back in the rat. I don't want to see my phone. I, you know? So yeah. It's amazing. So you, you are creating these amazing experiences for all the visitors coming, but I'm curious about the team, right? You have vendors, you have everyone, and they're all locals. Oh, right? yeah. So yeah. How yeah. does that, how do you, do you have a shortage of staff like a lot of the rest of the world? Or is Angela no, pretty good? No, everybody in Angola wants to work, man. Like I have a lot of counterparts, especially in the chauffeur service and around the world. And they'll be like, oh, man, we can't find drivers. Everybody's home on unemployment. Not here. They're knocking on the door to work. They want to be part of the team, you know? And so we have no shortage of, of, of workers in that pool, which is thankfully we are blessed in that in that way. And for your team to create high level service, how do you train them? What do they go through to make sure they're meeting your expectations? So it, it's it's all part of the culture. It's how we hire. Uh, we hire with people with, with some sort of a background in hospitality, but not too much because you want to be able to mold them the same way. And a lot of it is learning on the job and they know our core values and I take them, they shadow me, mm-hmm. you know, for a couple of days and they see what we do, et cetera. And um, so they learn on the job, so to speak. That's the best training ground. You can sit down and tell someone, here is the path, but it's the difference and walk in the path. You know, you have to go to the experience. And I think that is the best teacher. And that's the way we train our staff. I love to hear it. So you have great product, great team, great vendors, a beautiful island. You have it all a great package. 
And so, you know, I kind of want to get into the next step about Anguilla is you've taken on an even bigger role now, it seems like to me, as the chairperson of the Anguilla Tourist Board. So how did that come um, so, in your journey? So I am on a, I'm also on the Angola Hotel and Tourism Association Board, but in 2017, 2019, I was a member of the Angola Tourist Board as well, but not the chairman. And uh, so after the election, then a new government came into power and the Minister of Tourism asked me to come back on the board, but this time as chairman. So reluctantly, I said yes, because, you know, we're very busy. But at the time, it was the height of COVID. So I had some, some spare time so I could walk myself in. But I said no originally. He said, come on, Ken, you know, you've always complained about certain things. And now you have the power to effect change. And that's the reason why I did it. Because now, you know, I'm going I'm to drive a seat with, with other board members and we get to make strategic decisions, you know, to help everybody in tourism. And um, I do get a little criticism for wanting to take Angola to be predominantly high-end because uh, it's aspirational. You know, when you when you when somebody sees a Louis Vuitton bag, they mightn't be able to afford it, but they aspire to afford it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I, that same concept is what I brought to, to high-end tourism here. And then it's not just us, it's all the stakeholders and everybody. You know, we now have uh, direct international flights from Miami to Angola, which is a game changer for us. We're also working on another route from Ireland, from um, New York to Angola. I won't say which airline yet, because that's still in discussions. But, you know, we want to make the whole process of getting to Angola easier. However, we don't want to open the floodgates because right. Angola is still unique. It is still uniquely Caribbean. It is still it still has its culture. You know, we, we, we don't want to have a bunch of fast food chains, etc. You want to come here to enjoy our cuisine. You know what I mean? You want to experience the culture. Too many Caribbean islands became too Americanized. You know, you have to be very careful with your vision, very be careful to hold on. You have to be very careful to hold on what you own culturally. Because when I go to America, I want to experience American culture. Mm-hmm. When I go to France, I want to experience the culture of the French. When I come to the Caribbean, I want to experience what's unique to us and our culture as well. I don't want it to be influenced too much by you know outside influences. And a lot of Caribbean countries have to really be careful as to what they let or what they allow to enter into the shores. And you don't want, we don't want to have mass tourism. The island is too small for that. We don't want to have the big three, four thousand passenger cruise ships. They do, right. uh, uh, they do serious damage on the infrastructure. We will take the small, you know, upscale ones because those people, they do spend, etc. But um, lower volume, high yield. I like that. I was going to ask you that about the cruise ships because I've seen it in other Caribbean islands where you have 4,000 people get off and it's the same feel at every port. Right, you, you get on these cruise ships and you feel like you're getting the same thing with a different accent, right? At <laughs> some of yeah. these places. Yeah, it, it, it's, it does. And, and right now, because the cruise ship, it is so easy to have a great vacation on a cruise ship at a, at a, at a low price. People don't really spend any money buying anything on, on land. They don't really buy a hat here, a shot glass there, as a souvenir for a friend, or a keychain. But how many keychains are you going to buy? You know what I mean? How many hats are you going to buy? Etc. There's free food on the ship. It's all inclusive. So people, it's a nice way to see three or four places in one week and um, have great food and, and, and 
you know, so that's what they do. Gone are the days where you come off the cruise ship and you would do some many excursions. Uh, you would go ahead and buy an engagement ring for your, you know, your fiance or whatever. Those days are long gone because we speak to the vendors in the different islands and they say, man, those days were good days, but not anymore. So if you had a magic wand for your island, what would you like to see hospitality-wise start happening? So if I had a magic wand for my island, the first thing I would do is have a hospitality school. Because I would say directly employed about at least 5% of Angolians are directly employed in hospitality. And you do need training because there are a lot of things that are not innate. And going to the school will help train them, you know, just simple things, how to be a trainer, how, how to be a bartender, how to interact with guests, how to anticipate their needs before they even ask. These are things that can all be trained. So that would be the first thing I would wave my magic wand for. And everything would fall into place after that. I love to hear it. I love hearing that. And do you think that there are certain companies you would want to be there or do you want to keep everything local to Anguilla? No, it is a mix. I mean, diversification is good. And um, I'm not a fan of the huge, huge corporate brands. Mm-hmm. Operations, you look at the bottom line over service. Majority of the time, when you have stuff that is individually owned, you have more stake in it. There's not a big board with 15 people who've never even been to the property calling the shots sometimes, you know. I'm not saying all are like that, but most of them are like that, you know, based on my experience. But on the flip side, those big corporations have a huge following. So, for instance, if somebody knows, say, for instance, Four Seasons, or there's a Four Seasons in Angola, and we want to stay at Four Seasons, so we're going to go to Angola and stay at the Four Seasons. So they do have their, you know, their, their strengths, and they also have their weaknesses. So it's, 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 it's trying to find that balance, you know? That's true. And so I talk about brands. I was curious, your point of view, which brands do you look up to? Because there's some that do some very high end. Which brands do you look at like, wow, that's kind of what I need to start doing more of? In hospitality? Mm-hmm. Or it could be any. I mean, because, you know, you can learn a lot from different brands. But if hospitality or fashion, what, what kind of hits your mind? But in hospitality, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it's a brand, what, what you call the brand, but Wynn Resorts. Wynn? Mm-hmm. Wynn Resorts. I idolize Steve Wynn. Steve Wynn is a visionary, not only in aesthetics, but service. He knows what people want, and he's able to package it in a way that attracts everyone. How can you have a 3,000-room hotel and still win all of those five diamond awards and stuff? I'll tell you why. It was one time I was at the win. It was our anniversary. And I had a little bit of hair, but, you know, my, <laughs> my, my beard and stuff. Like, we need, we need, we need barbers who can cut our type of hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had one at the win because we stayed there before him. But that day he was ill and I had a reservation. And so when I went to the spa, the lady was like, oh, Mr. Hubbard, how are you doing today? And I said, good. And she said, you know, we know you had Peter booked today, but unfortunately Peter is ill. So, oh man, I was disappointed. I was like, tonight is our anniversary. I need to look sharp for the pictures, you know? She was like, but don't worry, we got you. She's like, she gave me a paper. She said, go downstairs. And give this to the bell desk. And we're going to take you to the Bellagio to get your haircut. And I said, oh, wow, really? She said, yes. So I said, okay. I went downstairs, give it to the, to the bell desk. And he said, oh, yes, Mr. Herbert, I've been expecting you. And he did something on his radio and up comes a win SUV. And I'm like, okay. 
You know, he hopped mm -hmm. in, the driver, he said, oh, Mr. Hobart, how are you doing today? We're going to the Bellagio to get your haircut. How does your anniversary? Congratulations, you know. So we chatted, pulled up at the Bellagio. He said, uh, here you are, Mr. Hobart. He said, but do you know where the spa is? Are you familiar with the hotel? And I said, actually, no. He said, okay, just wait right here. Let me park, and I'll take you in. He parked, he came back, he took me in to the spa. He dropped me off at the front desk. He said, Mr. Hobart, I can sit right here and wait on you. I can wait in the vehicle. The price is due. They say, ah, you know, man, it's up to you wherever you want to go. So he said, you know, Mr. Hubbard checking in uh, for her appointment. And the lady was like, oh, yes, we've been expecting you. You know, the wind call, etc." And Sheila is your 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 barber today. She's from Miami. She's a woman. Really good haircut. You know, I had champagne and strawberries while I was waiting. Wow. Anyway, so afterwards, I went back to the front desk. In the spot, I said, okay, so uh, they said, how was everything? I said, everything was brilliant. And they were like, um, and I was like, okay, so how much is it? They were like, no, it's it's, it's, it's taken care of. I was like, huh? Okay. You know, so I took them, got back with the driver and took me back to the wind. Uh, we were actually staying on the encore side. Took me back there and, um, you know, I tipped him. He said, you know, you know, my man, you look fresh, etc. You know, you're going to have a great night. And I said, you know what? Let me go back up to the spa and see how much this cost. Because yeah, SUV, he waited. So I went back up and I, oh, Mr. Howard, you look like a new man, you know? <laughs> and she was just happy. And I said, uh, is it going to go on my bill? So she was like, no. So I was like, I don't understand. She was like, well, we know today's anniversary. We know this was special moment for not crash. So we did the next best thing, but this is on us. Happy anniversary. Now, would I ever go stay in another hotel in Vegas? Hell no. Hell no. And that is the kind of service I'm talking about. You know? And that's the reason why those properties could have 5,000 rooms and win all those awards. Because the culture. Because how can you be at the helm of such an organization and the line staff shares your culture. It's the culture. It is the only thing, the culture. He's trained them. Everybody knows what he stands for. And that's it. That's so, amazing. Yeah. See, that is amazing to see because you touched on it. There's so many mega hotels that you just kind of feel lost in the numbers and no one's really looking out for you. And that's a true hospitable story. They cared about you on that day and it was an important day for you. Oh, yeah. And I got many other stories like that at, at those hotels. They remember your anniversary when we go there. They remember, they didn't know my wife loves chocolate covered strawberries and champagne. So you come back from dinner at night on your anniversary and they'll be right there with, I kid you not, I don't know how they remember it. If it's just, you know, the little things that they do, you know, yeah. it makes you feel a part of the family there. And, uh, and I love it. And that is something that we, that I strive to be like, you know, just to make people feel, you know, welcome. I'll tell you this, and Steve Rim said it, they might remember what you say or what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And that is so true. That's a great quote and a good way to run, I'm sure, your culture too, right, in your company. Oh, yes. So, you know, I know we're, we're running a little long on time here, Kenroy, but I wanted to go back to, to young Kenroy who decided to get onto the golf course, okay? If he was starting today, what would you tell him to do knowing all that you know now? So... The first thing I'll tell him is, is, is a process. Rome wasn't built in one day. Delegate more. Trust people. 
They won't hire smart people and then tell them what to do. Those are certain things that I would definitely tell myself. I would also tell myself that nothing beats a trial but a failure. Failure is just one wrong way of doing things and one step to getting it right. Don't be afraid to fail. In my younger years, I would have started in hospitality a lot, a lot earlier. And I would have started, I don't know if I would have started my business earlier because everything led up to this. You know, not before his time. I, I needed the experience before, the connections before. But the main thing I would tell myself, have patience. It is all a process. And you can only connect the dots going backward. I like that. I think that's a great Great piece of advice for anyone coming up, especially looking to be an entrepreneur in hospitality, right? A little bit of patience, trusting the process that you're going through, make sure to learn and don't rush. I think that's a great place to kind of end our conversation here, Ken Roy. But, you know, before we do, if anyone wants to connect with you and get to Anguilla, where can they connect with you? So if you want to connect with us via my company is LeviticusLifestyle.com. You can log on to that www.LeviticusLifestyle.com. If you want to get to Angola, you can go to iVisitAngola.com, which is the tourism board website. And they have all information there about Angola. And the staff at the tourism board will be happy to help you. There's so many great properties on the island, you know, wonderful food, warm, friendly people. This is a place you must visit. If it's not on your bucket list, you need to move it to number one right now. Well, listen, I'm actually writing notes. Listeners, you can't see, but I've actually made my list now. And Aguila's at the top. And awesome. Ken Roy, I appreciate you being on the podcast today and sharing your journey uh, in hospitality. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Steve. I look forward to welcoming you to Angola. This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.